I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Ben Murray. He uh, is a tour guide here in Savannah and also a Savannah native. Have you lived in Savannah your whole life? No, I'm not. Oh, well, there you go. Long enough, at least. Not long enough. Yeah. I've been 20 years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that ca- that, that'll count, in my opinion. Uh, but, Mr. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. My name is Ben Murray, a.k.a. Dr. Dudu from Ghost Hearst Tours in Savannah, Georgia. Um, we started back in 2002, and we go around in a converted hearse where we introduce you to the spirits of Savannah. Awesome. That's so much fun. It really is. It's just like a very unique experience for people to have because like when else are you going to say like, oh, I, I went around Savannah in a hearse, but I'm not dead. You know, it's a- <laughs> Most people want to reserve that for one, one time, a one time I mean, experience. experience. Absolutely. But um, so what made you get into tour guide work? Well, I started earlier with Segway tours sometime back, um, but it wasn't from a ghost perspective. And I had a transition spirit over me. And um, I was very distraught at that time. And it led me to Congress in Lincoln, where I was um, introduced to a statue of an Indian that's been carved into the cornerstone of a building that was, I understand, to be spiritually guided towards the paranormal situation. And because of when I got there, I was so distraught. And when I left, I was so peaceful. So now every day that I'm downtown, I go by Congress and Lincoln to meet Chief Indian Rain. That's awesome. (laughs) So you told us a little bit about um, kind of like your first experience with him and um, how you were kind of blessed by him. Would you like to go a little bit further? Well, yeah. um, On one day, I mean, I I had... Several different companies, and one was a taxi cab company, and I usually make a quota as to what I wanted to make. And this particular night, I hadn't come to my quota, but I was on my way back home, and I got a fare at um, the Hyatt that was going to the mansion. When I got down Whitaker Street, they were talking among themselves about the spirits, the couple that was in the car. And they came to me and said, Mr. Um, Taxi Driver, what do you think? So that gave me the opportunity to get in their conversation, and I did. And I told them about Chief Indian Rain because that's where that led me into mm-hmm. the spiritual realm. And um, I carried them there, and they were so fascinated by my story. And the young lady went up and touched the statue, rubbed the hand on it. And afterwards, when I got them back to the mansion, they gave me um, a tip which was $70, 
which was the exact amount that I needed to meet my quota. Oh, wow. So I was hooked ever since then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're, here I am. Absolutely. You're like, I like this ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so fascinating. You know, it's always nice to hear people's uh, reasoning why they got into the paranormal because everybody has their story of right. like, this is my first story. I know you briefly talked about your mother also coming to visit you. Yes. So uh, would you like to tell, tell that story? Yeah, my mom um, came to me. Um, I have her, um, her cane here that I usually carry with me in my car most of the time. And this cane um, belonged to my to, to my mom, and she came to me um, through a cardinal, if you will. It came to my window, and this cardinal um, came in to my window and was sitting there and just just sitting there looking at me. And I came outside of my house, back to the window, and the cardinal was still there. When I went to approach it, it flew away. Well, I had no idea that the cardinal was signified as an angel coming towards you. Last Sunday, a witch approached me out of Colonial Park Cemetery. I was in there droning. A witch came up to me from Florida, and she and I connected right away. She wanted to visit the cemeteries in Savannah. Well, of course, the cemeteries in Savannah closes at 8 o'clock, and they locked the gate so we couldn't go. So we went to a cemetery outside of the Savannah on Dean Forest Road. And there, um, the spirit came to me of my mom, and she just said that it is safe in a cloud and just went away. So I'm hooked. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you say um, that she showed up to you as a cardinal because that's how my grandmother shows up to me, actually. Um, She's very active. I don't know how active your mom is as a cardinal. My grandmother, um, and she does this to everybody in my life, including JT. So um, oftentimes, like in the windows out here at the theater, you'll see her pecking at the window to get our attention. And when we boarded up these windows, uh, we had to put film over them to make the blackout. She learned how to use the ring camera. And I swear, we uh, just the other day, we get a ring camera notification and she's just staring at the camera. And she sits there for like a solid two minutes. It's so funny how they do that, you know, where they, they will just wait for you to get to, for them to get your attention. So does she visit you often? Yes. And it's ironic that you're saying that. Mm-hmm. Mom follows me to work. That's so I can hear the chirping. I've, be, I've been able to identify the sound of the cardinal. I'm not always seeing her or seeing the cardinal, yeah. <laughs> but I hear it. And once I get to the lot of where the hearses is, I can hear in the trees in the back just chirping. And then every now and then she'll fly, fly past. She might be your spirit guide now. Yeah, so. That's true. I welcome it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, a lot of times your spirit guides um, are loved ones that have passed over because that's uh, why my grandmother follows me around so much is because she became my spirit guide when okay. she passed away. Um, so it's very possible she's, you know, just watching over you the whole, all the time. And especially with your line of work where you're driving all the time, you, you know, you need somebody to be watching over you. So yes. Yeah, that's a lovely story. I, I love that. That's very sweet. Good. And I, I, I'm now that you and I have connected to the Cardinals, yes. going to be friends for life. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the Cardinal fam, y'all. It's the Cardinal fam. Yes. <laughs> um, so we always like to ask our guests who are tour guides, what's your favorite Savannah ghost story? I have several, of course. Um, the Pirate House is one of them that I, that, that I love. 
I think, like. Um, but I also like the, um, I think more so the soil weed house, mm. um, more so than anything else. And then, then of course, there's the right square. I don't want to identify with a favorite here at this particular moment because I'm sort of feeling my way around with what is the best because I want to get an accurate story. Sure. I also want to understand what happened there. And I also would like to be able to experience some of the spirits from that particular one. That's why I'm trying to get into the pirate house. I want to drone the basement Mm -hmm. and see if I feel the spirit coming on. So with all of the uh, spirits here in Savannah, I think the spirits come because we have kept, or Savannians have kept part of the original structure of what has gone by and haven't put cement all over and the dirt is still here because I think that that's where it comes from. Absolutely. And then if the spirit from your surroundings are cultivated, then it's going to generate into people like us. (laughs) Absolutely. We talk about that a lot, actually, how um, Savannah honors their spirits a lot. Uh, I've I've said it multiple times in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, they have that quote where, you know, to understand Savannah, you have to understand our spirits or understand our ghosts. And so I think you're, you're right because we have kept it so well intact, you know, uh, why wouldn't a spirit want to leave? It's the same way with people move here and then they don't go away. It's just, it's something about it. It's magnetic to souls. It's what happened to me. Yep. I got here and, and I really didn't know anything about Savannah before I got here. And when I got here, I didn't leave for five years. They, I, couldn't, I wouldn't go to a funeral. I wouldn't go to a wedding. I wouldn't go to nothing. My daughter's mad at me now because I was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, that's the same thing that happened to me as well. Chris is basically a native uh, from, from outside <laughs> of Savannah. They won't claim that. Uh, I've been here for 30, 30 years. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much the same thing. I thought I was going to be here for a year, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, 30 years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was How did it happen? <laughs> did you have, uh, it was um, the uh, Chief Indian Rain your first, like, encounter with spirits? Or do you have, you know, stories from your youth? Did you, it was, it was like literally the door opened right then? My first experience. Uh, That's I, fascinating. I, I, I think I transitioned, I have transitioned over because I had a heart attack um, at my house, and I fell off the swing into um, on the deck, and it was raining, and there was a voice, an Indian voice said, "Roll over into the rain. The rain will save you. Roll over into the rain." It said it seven times. Roll over into the rain, and I remember all of that, and I did roll over into the rain, and I pulled myself up by the swing went into my back door, and there stands my sister, who never comes to my house without calling, because I don't let people in if, you don't, if I don't know you're coming. So I said, why are you here? She said, I was just in the neighborhood, and I decided to stop by. I said, take me to the doctor. I went to the hospital. They gave me a heart monitor, and shortly after that is when I was, I was depressed. That's how I got downtown and met the chief in the rain. I named him Chief in your rain. I don't know what. Right. There's no name yep. to it. I gave him Chief in your rain because it was Indian voice that told me to roll over into the rain. And then I met this Indian stature 
Congress in Lincoln. Wow. That's, that's such an intense story. It's, it honestly shows, um, because we have a lot of viewers who ask, like, you know, I used to be sensitive as a child and I'm no longer sensitive. It shows that at any age you can become sensitive. And it really shows, too, that, like, a lot of people are blocked off to it for so long. And so, you know, sometimes it does take just, like, a traumatic incident to really open yourself up to those sort of things. Um, but... Is there, like, any kind of, like, Native American, like, uh, attachment to your home or anything like that? or Not that I know of. Sure. I'm doing the um, investigation now, yeah. if you will, to sort of find out. I want to go back and, and, and see, and I think a lot about things that could have been a spirit kind of interacting, but I just didn't recognize it. I just didn't acknowledge it because um, from my culture— um, a Baptist surroundings, we want the Holy Ghost. We don't want any other kind of ghost that, mm-hmm. is, that is around. So that could have been a deterrent for me for not doing. But Absolutely. I, I'm rebellious, and I did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's a, a misunderstanding that a lot of people have. It's, you know, um, because there's plenty of people who grow up in church, and they're told their entire life exactly what you just said. Like, you don't want those types of spirits because those are all demons. But it's not necessarily the case, you know. Sometimes they are just people right. that, you know, are still around and you know they haven't crossed over yet or for whatever reason that might be and that doesn't mean they're innately evil but you know um sometimes they are but sometimes most of the time your house spirits or things in savannah i've noticed most of them are good spirits they're they're helpful and things of that nature and sometimes a little annoying but that's okay so well i've gotten to the point where i painted my house blue so i've got mm-hmm. the, I, I got well, the hate go. blue i got the yeah. hate blue in it so absolutely <laughs> yeah the hate blue is a great thing um if you guys who are listening don't know what hate blue is um hate blue is traditionally used to ward off evil spirits uh, so if you go around savannah or honestly most places in the south especially with a, a rich Gullah culture um you'll see on the top of porches, they're painted blue, uh, this like light blue color or on their shutters or things like that. Just don't paint it on the inside of your house because then it just keeps it in. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so when JT and I met you, you uh, actually told us about the weeping times, which I was really interested in because I didn't know a ton about it. Would you like to tell our viewers a little bit about that? Sure. The weeping time is an incident that happened um, where 429 slaves were sold here in Savannah. They came from McIntosh County from a slave owner, uh, Pierce Butler. And Pierce Butler, one of the unique things about Pierce Butler was that he treated his slaves well, if that is something that you can do. But he did, and they loved him. And before the sale took place, of course, he had a gambling debt that he had to pay, half a million dollars, I think it was. And he explained to the slaves what he was doing, and they accepted that. And he told them that he was going to buy them back once he got his finances in order. And they believed that. So he brought them all here to Savannah. It started raining. It rained for three days, uh, and he promised them that he would keep the families together. There was a lover there, that lovers there that hadn't married. So 
there was a minister, a Methodist minister, and I don't know why they distinguished that, but there was a Methodist minister told them if you got married, they would sell you together. He married them there. That has become the sacred entity of the weeping time. Historically, they are stating that because no one died, that it's not historic. The grounds that they are trying to use is the 10-mile racetrack out of skirts of Savannah. And from that area, they want to put in um, some other industry there that they don't want, the neighborhood, some other folks, because of what happened on that day. So we are trying to utilize the fact that the marriage was the sacred. What is more sacred than a marriage and a union and bringing up a family? So from that perspective, the weeping time is in existence here in the family. And I might make mention that the reason why it's so significant to me that brought me so close to it that because of the rain. As soon as the last sail was sold, it stopped raining. Wow. Well, it's strange that... Um we refuse to recognize the significance because it was the the largest single sale of slaves in in the history of this area, like in one event, and that should stand as a historic marker. You know that should because Savannah is notorious for trying to gloss over its its slave history. Absolutely, you know, notorious for trying to servants' quarters and you know mm-hmm. and and sell a a gentler tale. But when you have an event like that and you refuse to acknowledge it, you know, you refuse to, to indicate that this was significant. Because it was. It was significant. It was the sale of human lives. And it was, this, it was a time when, when it could be viewed and witnessed at such a scale. Yes. I mean, that is humongous. That's, yes. you know, that's an entire school's worth of human beings. Yes. <laughs> you know, being sold off yeah. in, in, in a single event, in a single go. And that, that does create that, uh, that sorrow, that darkness, the idea that we were this complicit as a society in what can only be described as an evil act, you know? <laughs> even, even with the, the, the parameter set of, you know, a, a relatively gentle slave owner and, and, and slaves that, that were treated... Well, but they were still slaves. They're, They're still, still property. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that they could be parceled off. That yes. they could be sold off. Yes. You know, that, uh, yeah, that, there, there's something in your heart that says we shouldn't ignore yes. this. You know, this, this deserves recognition and it deserves, you know, uh, passionate uh, retellings and, mm-hmm. and, and people who will tell the story. Yes. You know, people who will get up and say, this is what happened, you know, on this date, at this time. And, and the three days of rain is enough to, to really cement the idea that even the angels were weeping. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. so, so I think, yeah, it's, it's odd that the argument had to come down to that marriage, that sacred act, yes. mm-hmm. versus this kind of cataclysmic event. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The uprooting of all these people through no fault of their own, through no... Uh, occasion of their own and and because they were seen as property yes you know that just you know uh, it's it's baffling really I think it was easy for Savannah to to kind of write it off was because it's 
in the outskirts, you know, right. it's yes. over off of what Augusta, Augusta Road. Yeah, yeah. it's which is um, if you're not from Savannah, it's uh, it's a good bit outside of the downtown historic district. Mm-hmm. So you know, because tourists aren't really going to be wandering off into that area, they're like, yeah, we can just kind of pretend. And like a lot that. of Savannah was the very fancy houses mm-hmm. where people went to to city you know, to be in the city, but we were flanked on all sides by these plantations, by these larger farms, by the actual uh, industry of Savannah. Of Savannah, you know, yes. Savannah's the city was where you had wealth and affluence and, and shiny buildings and, uh, you know, uh, beautiful squares, uh, but it was absolutely supported by, you know, the agricultural uh, slave-owned, you know, uh, industry. Uh, uh, that was all around Savannah, yeah. The um, but there's multiple places like that, and even in the historic district where Savannah kind of pretends like yeah. it's uh, it didn't really happen. Like uh, the Candler Oak, uh, are you familiar with the Candler Oak? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's um, that's a big one for people to gloss over because it's this very ancient tree. Right. But they don't talk about the dark side of it, where they would hang people, uh, African American people, for crossing through the park. Mm-hmm. It's like it, that. It, in my opinion, that should be like on the historic marker and not just that it's a five hundred year old tree. Yes. But you know, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. But I think there's some uh, tour guides, especially in Savannah, that are doing a really good job of bringing back. Those stories, uh, I know Pat Gunn is yes. doing a great job with that. Yes. Um, and you're obviously, you know, bringing it back as well, you know, being with the Hearst tours and whatnot, you're able to tell the stories that people aren't getting told usually. Yes. So It's ironic that you said something about the uh, Candler Oak tree because I lost a drone in that tree just recently. Really? You and I are too connected. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost a drone and I bought another drone to go see if I can find that drone. <laughs> but as I get to the height, I get scared. Anyway. Yes. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, the tree was like, uh-uh. No, no right. Yeah. yeah. I, it, but now the tree took my, zone, uh, took my drone. So I, I got to find out what kind of spirits are up, up in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We got well, to do and, it. you know, electronics and spirits, they are not a good combination. They're not a good you combination. Yeah. You, you put an electronic device too close to a very hot spiritual place, it's going to drain all that battery. It's going to drain all that energy. And you're going to lose whatever it is. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been on ghost hunts where our fully charged cameras, our fully charged phones just die because there's something just draining away the electricity from them. Well, maybe I shouldn't take my second drone. I wouldn't. Okay. I, okay. I, 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 yeah, I strongly uh, I, uh, advise against it. It is such a pleasure to meet you because I don't want to lose $500 a yeah, day. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. Uh, always, and always make sure you have a clear line of sight to your drone because uh, some people will fly them around the corner and oh, oh, yeah. there's no yeah. telling what's behind the, yeah, <laughs> well, sure. the other side of the corner. <laughs> the, um, it's funny um, when you say that things get drained with uh, spirits because even memory cards on cameras mm. mm-hmm get corrupted by spirits. We had one happen um, at, at the Sorrel Weed House recently. We were filming an interview down there with Calvin, who uh, is the manager over there and all that. And so we were filming and JT was freaking out because we had just filmed like probably an hour and a half worth of content. And he's like, something's wrong with the memory card, but he didn't want to like let everybody know, you right. know, that something was wrong. But immediately, like when he gets back, he's like, he, JT buys memory cards that are very expensive so that they do not, cor- 
it was a $600 memory card that, so that it does not corrupt. But it was like, it was basically like the spirits were telling us like, okay, it's time to go now. It's really late. We're yeah. ready for you to be done. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. JT was able to fix it. So um, you guys on Patreon, you'll be able to see that content, but yeah, JT was able to save it, thankfully. But. Well, JT and I are going to have to get together because this, that happened to me in, Col in Colonia Park oh. two nights ago. I did this full view, and I got back to the house. Nothing was there. Everything else outside of Colonia Park, I got. When I, and, and I just remembered my drone landed by itself. It just landed behind the fence. It was 11 o'clock at night. I panicked. Then I thought, well, all you got to do is lift it off again. And that's what I did. I tried, and I lifted it, and it came up, and I brought it out the fence. It's ironic that you said that. Wow. There you go. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy, the the things, especially with, like, how much technology has changed, too. It's so many people have experiences with the paranormal where they're like, this weird thing happened with my camera at this haunted location. And it's like, well, it's probably because there was a ghost. But, you know, yes. it's – um. but if you do get a chance to get into the Sorrel Weed House, I, I – I could see a very high possibility of you having an experience because I was in there for maybe five minutes and something happened. Okay. So, and then lots of other spirits are very active in that house. So I highly recommend if you can get in there. Yes. Well, uh, we're going, well, I, my situation was with the pirate house, but uh, so, right. yeah, but I will, but I'm in the process of trying to introduce myself to all of the industry of the spirits mm -hmm. ghosts and the spirits to see if there can be a good collaboration where, where we can get the stories pretty much the same absolutely to a point even to the point of training to tour guys or from the ghost perspective so they can have their stories so we can so we don't necessarily just make up our own idea of what happened even though we got to go with our own experiences because nobody had the experience that i had with chief indian rain mm -hmm. and so they can't stick they can't tell that story but the true stories that i mean the stories that are happening around i will, I will be whether they're true or not um should be consistent i think so if we we as two guys um to do that the ghost ones then we can well i mean there's there are these two branches of of the same tree you know, there's, there's the history side, which is the facts that we can definitely nail down. Right. And the history should never change because the history is, in fact, able to be traced. You can right. actually see these things. The you only know, problem is in everyday life, in everyday occurrence, those things aren't marked down in history. Right. There are so many things that are just lost because time does not hold things yeah. in place. And that's where we get the other branch, which is experiential, which is just the speculations that turn into ghost stories. And I'm, I'm very much into listening to what people always told. You know, what was the story that they always told? Like, the Pirate's House is a fascinating place because for years and years, even when I first moved here, um, and we used to be able to go down into the, the cellar yeah. pretty regularly, and then they, uh, I want to say there might have been a cave-in or an issue with the security yeah. of the actual tunnel, because it, it only went back a, a little ways, right. but people would go back in there, yes. and they were like, eh, we can't let people back in. <laughs> you know, yeah. We'll put a little scansion up, and then it was like, no, let's not let people down here anymore. But I remember, because the whole thing was that um, they kept telling us that Captain Flint 
was the ghost of the the pirate's house. It's Captain Flint. You know, Captain Flint died in the in the pirate's house. The only problem was Captain Flint is fictional. Yeah, he's a made up right person. Person, yeah. Uh, and, and that was so fascinating to me because that means for the better part of a century, people were very happy to say it was Captain Flint. Yes, and to the point at which people would say that they hear. Captain Flint, because we know that Captain Flint's last words, according to Treasure Island, was bring aft the rum, bring, bring uh, rum. Yeah, bring and so people can, it's, it's, they'd say, I, I heard someone calling for rum. Yes. You know, I, I, I heard <laughs> It's like, well, you know, in a pirate establishment, that might not be weird. Bring the rum. But it, it was like all of this enforcement on this notion that the ghost was, you know, a fictional person. Yes. And I was like, but what a good story. <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a great story, you know, uh, because it was um, bring after the wrong young Darby. So Darby, another fictional, fictional character, character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who was the cabin boy that, uh, that helped Captain Flint there at the end, uh, was also oftentimes... And I was like, and there were people who didn't even know Treasure Island at all. At all, yeah. But they were having, you know... Mm-hmm. This, this concept of Darby and Captain Flint and this sensations. And I'm like, that's amazing that, that we've reinforced whatever spirits are in this building to work in this pattern, yeah. mm-hmm. to, to fulfill our expectations. And in that fulfilling of expectation, the spirits are being nourished by our interest, yeah. by us mm-hmm. saying, here's the ghost he's story. Ghost. And exactly. the ghost are like, I'm here. Yeah, they were <laughs> like, Flint, yo-ho. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and more than likely, it was a gardener. You know, more than likely, right. it, was, it was somebody at the trustee's garden, you know, yeah. who, who, who lived a, a fruitful life and died. And they're like, I'm just a gardener. Yeah. But oh, you, you want a pirate? but i think it's funny that people said that they would see or hear darby also because i'm like that establishment was not kid friendly at all it's so funny how you know it's perceived now you know it's a it's a family friendly restaurant it's great people love going there but in history it was a rough Rough place place, you know it's (laughs) like that is a a hardened area you know so you would not be bringing your, your kids in to the into the well, pirate's house. Darby, being a cabin boy, was probably a young adult, I would I would imagine. I mean, he could have started off as a 14, 15-year-old, but he would have been just the lackey of the ship. Sure. <laughs> At that point. Yeah. You know, uh, because that's another thing. Pirates are fascinating, and it's hard to actually get a bead on the pirates of Savannah. Yeah. Uh, mostly because of the way we're inland- because Savannah is not on the coast. That is something that uh, should be stated. We're, we're, not a co- we're, we're not on the coast. On the coast, yes. Yeah. Um, we are in the river, which is an ideal place for pirates. Because mm-hmm. it, it gets them out of the line of sight of, of patrol ships that used to go up and down the coast. As a matter of fact, Savannah was a perfect hidden cove. Um, Blackbeard Island sits right in the mouth of the Savannah River. So, you know, but... History is shaky, especially yeah. with criminals, especially with yeah. people who are hiding. Yes. They didn't show up and say, okay, write right. this down. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was here, I was doing this, and this is what happened. So um, we get a lot from like Charleston. Charleston is where they hanged them all. You know, so, mm-hmm. so Charleston's full of stories, and Port Royal is where they you know, used to party. But Savannah's where they hid. Where they hid. You yes. know, that, and that's, that's a tricky thing, and, and something that I think it, it, I would love to do that deep dive of the pirates of Savannah, what, 
what was that? Because a lot of people and a lot of historians are now of the mindset that there were no pirates in Savannah. Oh, Baha, that's crazy. And it's like, mm, hang on. Because, you know, most people will will argue that the, the golden age of piracy was over long before Savannah was yeah, founded found, in 1733. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not entirely true either. <laughs> it's yeah. like we, we had pirates and privateers all the way up into Absolutely. the early 1900s. You know, there was plenty of pirates to be had all throughout Savannah's history. But the trick is, were we keeping secrets? Yeah. Which Savannah is notorious for. We're Very good at keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. Were we keeping secrets and who... Who knows those secrets? Wasn't there like um, something you you had mentioned about over on Hutchinson Island with like... It's Oakland Island. Oh, was it? Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Oakland Island, it's interesting because Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote Treasure Island, definitely took the lore. He he was listening to stories. He, He was listening to people tell stories of pirates. And Savannah came up, the pirate's house, this inn in Savannah. So he actually set... Captain Flint's death there, and the treasure map being passed off happened in Savannah. Savannah. That's how the story goes, because he had heard it. And what else he had heard was that, and this was interesting, uh, the treasure island of Treasure Island was uh, told to Robert Louis Stevenson as Salt's Island. Salt's Island was Treasure Island. It's where the, the, the treasure was buried. Turns out Oatland Island was originally owned by a man named Salt and was originally called Salt's Island. And what makes that interesting is, which would you do? Would you put your treasure on an island that can be seen and, 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 and happened upon by anyone marauding the ocean? Or would you go inland into these small tidal creeks and into this little area? Oatland Island is actually nestled inside the marshes. And wouldn't that be a much more ideal ideal place mm-hmm. to yes. hide something accessible, defensible, and you know it's like undiscoverable. Oh, undiscoverable. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because yeah. that was you know a lot of people always talk about why is Savannah called Savannah? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a swamp. You know, why, why is it called Savannah? And my my theory, and I think the pervading theory is, when you're coming up to Savannah by boat, and you look out, what you see is tall grass. And it must look like a savanna. It yeah. must look like mm-hmm. this plain of tall grass. But that tall grass is sticking out of the marsh. If you got off your boat onto that tall grass, you would sink <laughs> almost <laughs> yeah. immediately. That's not land. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where Oatland Island was nestled in marsh. In marsh. So, you know, when you try to get to it, you're not hitting land. You right. keep, like, dropping <laughs> Yep. Into like you know waist deep or or deeper muck really, and so it's fascinating that uh, that when I when I read uh, that the original Treasure Island was supposedly an island called Salt's Island, yeah, it just like stuck in the back stuck of my, in my head, head. Yeah. and then years and years later, I learned that Oatland Island was rat, uh, at one point was a rice plantation that was owned by a man named Salt, and it was called Salt's Island, and I was like, huh. Interesting. And that is, and, and, and now that you said that, uh, a couple of years ago, we went out fishing out and came 10 miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. And in coming back, and I got it on film, I was, I, I filmed fishing. And you're exactly right. It looks like grass just coming up until you get up. Yeah, right when you're up on it, up you're on like, it, oh, you know, oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. 
So, and, and because it is, it's one of those things. It's like we know what a savanna is, mm-hmm. um, and savanna actually doesn't have that because on top of the fact that we don't have these big plains of high grass, uh, we were kind of wooded mm-hmm. as well. You know, it was it was, it was kind of a, a woody, swampy area, so it didn't it didn't register as a savanna, uh, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because there are places that you can drive, like, a little bit outside of Savannah when you're going down, like, 95. You'll look out and you're like, this looks like Africa. Like, with the trees, like, have, uh, Jay, where's that, where's that part of 95 where, right outside of Brunswick, there's these, yeah, yeah, there's these trees that look so different than what you would expect from Georgia. And I think that's why, you know, there's places like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's very, it it must have looked a lot like the African, yeah. you know, coastline and and the African. Have you been to Harris? Have you been to Harris Neck? Mm-mm. Harris Neck? Yeah. No. It looks just like that. Just as, what, what what you're describing now. Yeah. You drive back off the road of off seventeen, back to Harris Neck. Exactly. Really. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Uh, and that's that's a whole other story about uh, the down there in Harris Neck. They took land from. Um, that down there in Harris Neck, and there's so many spirits down there. Oh, sure. Because I went down there and, on, on a fishing trip, and it is... Um, for sure, Avid Fisher is what you're saying. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I'm just a man with a pole. <laughs> <laughs> JT can relate to that. I wish JT was sitting here with us because he is also the same way. He's oh, yeah. like, just drop the pole into yeah, the water. Yeah, yeah. I, feed, I feed the fish a, a lot. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. Well, JT and I got to go out fishing one day. We'll Absolutely. <laughs> the um, yeah, there are so many spirits that are around Savannah that are not in the historic district that people oh, sure. don't realize, and it's because we don't talk about them. Right. You know, it's um, it's easy for spirits to get forgotten. Yes, well, there's plenty of displaced peoples. Yeah, you know, uh, lots of lots of skirmishes that no one talks about right. because Savannah was indeed a border, you know, a military border. We're, we were cushioning South Carolina from the uh, Spaniards to the south. You know, right. They were mm-hmm. actually, and so there were plenty of skirmishes, not just with the indigenous people, but with the Spaniards. And so it was a military operation. You know, when, we, when, you, uh, when you go to Chippewa Square, you look at the statue of Oglethorpe. He's wearing armor. He's got a sword. Yeah. You know, he is not uh, a, uh, just a, uh, an administrator. Right. He's obviously General, general yeah, Oglethorpe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and people kind of forget the tumultuous relationship of colonizers. You know, and um, and Spain was was fully you know uh, vetted in Fran- uh, in in Florida, and so there was constant conflict, yeah, and 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 constant uh, uh, abductions, and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the indigenous people were abducting people, we were displacing the indigenous people, the Spaniards <laughs> were coming in. There were all kinds of curious battles, uh, you know, not full blown wars. But definitely conflicts, conflicts where people yeah. were coming and going, and and in the in, in the outcome uh, bodies, there were yeah. dead people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in the um, downtown area, there's areas where people forget that people were buried or things like that happen um, in front of the Massey School. What square is that? That's uh, Oh, Calhoun? Calhoun Square. That was the original African-American burial yep. ground. And then you've got, uh, 
in Chippewa Square. You got a Native American burial mound, which is like... But also down right on the bluff was a burial mound. Oh, yeah, absolutely. uh, Warren Square was a burial mound. And intriguingly, the reason why the land was probably given up to begin with, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the indigenous people were like, here, take this land. Um, The truth of the matter is the river is salt water, primarily. Salt water does not make for good settlement. You want fresh water. Fresh water, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so a lot of the indigenous people were actually in those creeks. And, in you know, just outside of Savannah, there are a lot of fresh, fresher water. Fresher water. water. <laughs> yeah, fresher water. Brackish, um, if you will. Brackish, yes. Yeah. It <laughs> comes together. Picture. But, you know, being on the Savannah River was great for transportation, but it wasn't necessarily good for agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that the early settlers learned, was that the agriculture of Savannah is narrow even though there's a lot of overgrowth it was hard to cultivate your crops because the ground was full of you know mineral deposits and salt and all of these things clay Clay. yeah you know they thought they were going to uh, make uh, mulberry farms and and have silk (laughs) right you know they thought well we'll cultivate silkworms uh no that did not happen yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, which of course led to the cotton crop uh you know and it's it's fascinating when you when you look at how how things had to play out in order for it to to, 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 to end up work. the way, it, yeah, yes, <laughs> work. Yeah. for the way it, that it came about, because had had the silkworms worked, you know, the silk industry, uh, it would have been a good fifty years earlier. We would have had that agricultural boom to Savannah. Otherwise, uh, Savannah kind of languished for a while yeah. <laughs> there in its attempts to create a crop that that they could, you know, uh, have good commerce with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a gardener in Savannah, you'll know it is incredibly difficult to grow anything here um, because of the heat. And then on but top things of it, you don't want to grow, grow like wild. <laughs> <It's> so true. <laughs> it is so true. Um, like uh, collard greens grow so well in Savannah. My collard greens for like the entire spring to summer just boomed yep. so also mulberry trees do grow actually very well our but next, the silkworms yeah don't like the climate yes <laughs> the um our next door neighbor miss uh miss rivers she's been living in her house for 60 years and she has this massive very creepy mulberry tree um <laughs> in the backyard and all it does is drop mulberries you know it's mulberry season because your entire pavement will just be stained purple. Purple. purple yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's uh but yes if uh you ever want to garden in savannah get a raised garden bed because <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you, you have to put down the soil yeah. because if you use just the soil at hand there are, I mean, and there are things that grow. We learned, you know, yeah. over time, we learned which soil, I mean, which crops do best in this soil. But Savannah itself is a very tricky agricultural yeah. puzzle. Um, and uh, which, of course, drives how we ended up depending on slaves and how, because originally Savannah said no slaves. You know, originally Savannah was very idealistic yeah. <laughs> in how it was going to approach. We are have a, a jet fly directly over us. Yes, we're right by fairly close to Hunter Army Air, um, Airfield. So and, and Hunter Army Airfield and Gulfstream. And Gulfstream, well. yeah. So pardon our, our neighbors, I guess. <laughs> it's not our grumbling stomachs. <laughs> yes. But um, so... As you start to journey into your paranormal experience, what are you like 
planning to do paranormal investigation or are you just looking for ghost stories or I'm not actually sure um what it is that I really want to do I'm being led by the spirit sure and whatever directs my path because I had no idea I was gonna be here this morning <laughs> it wasn't planned I don't try to plan too much in advance because you never know no know, know what happened so I want to find a spirit based through paranormal. I want something, I want to get a group together where we go and we really experience it. Either the energy or a voice. And I think that that's the only way that I will be satisfied. But I am totally convinced through the spirits because of my experience. In in the Hearst uh, uh, business, we are not a one where we go out and try to bring people in because of the hearse. People are fearful of the of riding in hearse. I have want no parts of it. <laughs> and and uh, um, as Chris said, that want to be the last one. <laughs> the and last I and, and and I have one. I have a hearse that called the last ride. It won't let me cut it. Because we have to cut the top off oh, there. Right. It, it used to be belong to a private owner. That hearse wasn't a funeral home hearse. Maybe at one time, but we got it from a private owner sure. whose wife died who loved the car. She's in that car. Interesting. That's why I drive it every day. I, I, now that I got it and I got it up, I just drive it everywhere. So what's the, uh, well, first, just for our viewers, um, if you could explain like kind of like what cutting the hearse is so that they kind of know, cause I'm sure they're probably like, what does that mean? What but, do you mean? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. Um, and then also if you could explain kind of like a, a few of the things that have gone wrong with like the hearse every time you try to cut it. Oh, well this particular one, it, it didn't happen before. When we cut the hearse, we have to cut the top off or out where we put a roof, extended roof over top where we can put in eight seats inside of the hearse. We, we, we clean it out. And we put these eight seats in and open up the back door. So you come in from the back door where the casket used to slide in. So you got an extended roof over top um, of a hearse that uh, we drive around the city in. Now, the original owners of the hearse specifically wanted the older hearses. And they use them because of the nostalgia of mm -hmm. it. Of course, me, I'm old, and I don't want old hearse. I want a new hearse. Yeah. So when I came into the component, we started getting some uh, newer hearses. But most of the older hearses, there's two of them that we have that really won't start unless the driver that is attached to it is there. Oh. Uh, so, um, uh, Russ, our owner, he, he, he picked up this, I'm sure. And so he assigned the cars to whom <laughs> the debt that it is. But just last evening, I go out, none of the hearse would start. And we, we, we called him a mechanic in, and we got him going, and I did my little thing that I have no idea what I did. And the hearse just started up and we... Had a good, we had a ball. <laughs> so, so with the last ride, um, what exactly goes on when you try to cut it? Like, is it like parts fly out or is it like the 
it won't even like let you cut into it or not, like what is it? not yet other things has been happening gotcha for instance we were scheduled to cut it i bought a generator because where we are there's no electrical stuff so i bought in all stuff to cut this hearse on the lot that night before someone came and stole all the generators and everything <laughs> so we couldn't cut it right. oh my there gosh and I've been procrastinating on it, and I will not let it happen yet. Every time Russ said we let's schedule to do it, I make up something to come in, come, come and do it. And that's what tells me because I know from the night before that Russ is going to come in, so I'm prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. That's the way that the last ride is going to be extended. So I'm trying to establish something on it, the history of it. I'm going back to the husband. I'm going back to, to the uh, husband who sold it because of his wife to find out as much as I can sure. because of Chris's um, involvement with me telling me that we got to do the investigation. We got to go yeah. find out where the story it begins. So that's what I'm going to go. I'm going back to the original story to find out what I need to go for the last ride. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like you're Christine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when I pulled up, I saw it and I was like, oh, weird. It doesn't have, you know, this, yeah. the, the second layer on it. It doesn't have, because, you know, it's a common sight in Savannah, uh, seeing these tours roll by, and it's it's a hearse, but it also, you know, it's got, like, eight people that you can see from the shoulder yeah. up yes. sticking out of the top of it. <laughs> yes, and they're, they've got, like, their bachelorette, like, sashes yeah, exactly. on it. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> in a hearse. <laughs> but uh, JT gave me the signal, so we got to start wrapping things up. But thank you so much for joining us. This has yeah, been wonderful. so delightful, and we're happy to have you back anytime you would like to be on so um but is there anything that you would like to uh plug for our viewers well we at uh hearst tours this being october we would like to put together a good paranormal searching or a party for savannah to let them know that we are here um and the spirits of savannah should be intact and i I, and i'm so glad that i met chris because from his his knowledge that we have if we gather this information here we'll be able to um live happy lives and understand what is really going on absolutely you know so from that and i really thank you guys for even allowing us to come and i really appreciate it thank you yeah Yeah, we're we're happy to have you and um if you guys are ever in savannah definitely check them out it's a great tour it's lots of fun very unique obviously um if you ever have wanted to be in a hearse for some reason you know (laughs) it's uh that's been your long desire this is your opportunity there you go um but we will be back in another episode with, uh, we're going to talk about Chris's experiences at the Lizzie Borden house. And we're going to go a little bit further into that investigation. So uh, definitely check that out. Also, um, if you haven't already decided to join us over on Patreon as a para junkie, definitely consider doing that. We just did a exclusive episode where we were Talking about Chris's experience in New England, and then all of a sudden, uh, the ghosts started really acting a fool. So uh, we had our, our ghost tube app out, and they were they were very talkative. So definitely, if you would like to see that, join us over on Patreon. Also, make sure to follow us on TikTok at the Savannah Underground. But with that, my name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. <laughs> I'm Dr. Doodoo. There you go. <laughs> and stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>